is the Make Sierra Leone Famous podcast. If you're looking to explore Sierra Leone and understand its culture and its people, you've come to the right place. On every show, you'll meet Sierra Leonean creatives and entrepreneurs overcoming challenges and beating the odds. They are artists, filmmakers, musicians, chefs, writers, storytellers, and designers leading Sierra Leone's orange economy, both at home and from the diaspora. I'm your host, Vicky Rameau, journalist, entrepreneur, and community builder on a mission to expand Sierra Leone's presence on the web. Hashtag Make Sierra Leone Famous. The other voice you'll hear on Make Sierra Leone Famous is sound engineer and producer Franklin Bob McEwen at VRNC Marketing Company in Freetown, where this show is mixed and mastered. Now, make the show begin. Before a child is born, the last thing the child chooses to come to this world is its ori, its head. In other words, its talent, its gift, its tool to come and walk this earth to serve the earth. That's the last thing that child chooses. So every one of us, when we are born, we are born with specific tools that we call talents, that we call gifts, that we call whatever. And you're born to come and nurture that tool, to improve, work on that tool. It is your gift to serve us. So when you check what our people would do when a child is born, they call the Babalao or they call the Mary Siman or the Imam or whoever, is to discover that mm-hmm. child's name and that child's gift. It is the community's duty to now bring nurture up that child, to help that child become aware of its talent, of its gift, of its tool. Today, I am very ecstatic to have with me on the show someone who every time I watch one of his performances, uh, be they virtual or, um, yeah, always virtual. I haven't yet been opportune to see him live. But every time I watch one of his performances, um, he just, like, transfixes me. It's, like, mesmerizing. And he is able to take his audience on any kind of emotional journey um, back into time, forward into space. Like, it doesn't be time-space-continuum. Like, he just disrupts it um, with his words. Actually, I did get to see him perform once in, um, I think it was Lonshar. We went to Lonshar. I think it was Lonshar. I have to check. Or Mile 91, somewhere there. I do remember that I was once so fortunate to be able to witness um, a live performance. And anyone who's ever seen him, I know that they share my my sentiments. Today, I am talking to Yusufu Jalo, a.k.a. the Cow Foot Prince, a.k.a. Mr. This is why I love Sierra Leone. <laughs> every day, every day on the social media, he's just there. This is why I love Sierra Leone. This is why I'm like, hey, my brother, I'm going to go blow small. Yusufu, welcome to the podcast. How are you doing? I am great. You know, um, I feel like a mosquito in a nudist camp. 
um, um, <laughs> if you can only imagine, that's how I feel right now. It's like, you know, what we're going to be talking about being on this podcast is a great opportunity. And there's so much to talk about, so much opportunity here to talk about issues that are so important. I don't even know where to start first. So that's the mosquito in a nudist camp. That's how I feel right now. <laughs> So one of the things that I've always wanted to ask you is, and this is because you appear so at home with yourself, um, not just at home with yourself, but at home with your community, and then at home with your ancestors. And I've always been really curious how you were able to make that journey to that place. Um, because while it should be something that comes natural to all of us, it isn't, it is locked. How were you able to unlock that part of your identity um, to be able to give us this manifestation of yourself that we know as the cow footprint? Wow, what an incredible question to ask, Vicky. I'll always start with, in Creole, we say, know yourself, no to cause, na good advice. In the Bible, it makes it quite clear to know yourself, to thine own self be true. To know yourself is an ultimate divine requirement. If there is a sin, it is the sin of not knowing yourself. Mm. And knowing, therefore, knowing yourself and being at one with yourself, you would suddenly find that the whole world will revolve around you. The moment you're out of place of who you are, then you start chasing your tail. Or if you like, people say you are lost. I would not necessarily say you are lost. You just become turning and turning in the widening gear. The falcon cannot hear the falconer. Things fall apart. That is what happens. So I'm going back um, to that kind of explanation because my initial experience as a Sierra Leonean young boy growing up was a process of actually denying myself. <laughs> and, and that was the most crazy irony of living in Africa for myself, that, that, that I went to a school like Prince of Wales. Um, Prince of Wales, you know now, white blazer, they call us Santa and Ghost. <laughs> and then and then St. Edward's Secondary School. And you know, these are schools where you prim and proper and you talk Latin, amo, amas, amat, amamus, amabam, amabat, and you speak Latin, you know. And if you spoke Timini, Mende, Limba, Creole, hey, that Wahala is not funny for you. The prefect writes your name down and the teacher comes to punish you. So I went through, like many others, through a process of denying who you are. Um, my family, my dad loved it when I spoke in English, you know, and, uh, uh, you know, uh, oh, um, uh, ah, God, our tiger by the tail, it pains me. You know, these kind of songs is what my dad would play. So the orientation from school to home has always been to deny myself and become more English. 
And when you go up country, they say, hey, up to don't come. Up to, it don't land book, it don't come. Right. Because it's a question of... So how did I get to a, this point? Being, being an was up when to, I it? went to America. Okay. So no, I was just gonna say, you know, usually when we say Opoto in in Sierra Leone, um, we mean like a white person, right? It comes from the phrase Portuguese, and so what's happened in our culture is that now it's not a question of color, right? It's a question of behavior, right? How you behave. If you behave like a white person, you've become a white person. So someone like you, when you go home, you're not Opoto because you've taken on the identity, right, um, of, a, of a white person. It happens to me too. When I go up country, you know, they, yeah, they go up to up to. And like the first couple of times I'm like, what? I'm like black like you, what are you talking about? And it took a, a it took like a, a thought to like say, oh, right. I'm up to because I'm dressed like an Opoto. I sound like an Opoto, and they know I've come from Opoto land. So <laughs> I might as well be an Opoto to them. So yeah. So tell me about the transformation that happened, or the um, the catalyst for your transformation when you went to um, the U.S. Absolutely. So it's when I went to the U.S. that the penny started dropping. Um, now, when I went to the U.S., the late Dele Charlie and Dennis Nelson what year, Streeter, what year was this the U.S.? 1987. It was June of 1987. I went to America. I went to Detroit. Ladies and gentlemen, if you're, if you're listening to this, I just want to say 1987, I was three years old. Carry on. <laughs> <laughs> Just to be clear, I was three. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, black don't crack. <laughs> ah, 1987, you're in Detroit, Michigan. What happens? Yes. Um, I went there um, on a, you know, on a, on an exchange program kind of um, thing. And I went there to do theater mainly. And my mentors here was both Dennis Nelson Streeter and the late Dele Charlie, and also Charlie Hafner. But um, Dele Charlie and Dennis Nelson Streeter gave me a little tiny drum, and they gave me a runko and a runko trousers. So I got there, and, um, and during my audition in the drama school, I, you know, of course, did our tra a traditional piece, and I was tops in the whole um, in the whole class. Now, it surprised me because I, as I mean, as ambitious as I was, um, I've always thought that, man, we got to do the break dancing, we got to do the, you know, the body popping and, and all those, you know, those things that, you know, during, it was the years when the Americans, they carried the boombox, you know, it was the time of LL Cool J, and he loved. Mama Ooh, said, knock oh, you hey, out. I got a new goal. Love it. You know, I'm telling you, it was the time of the Michael Jackson, Bailey Jean, not my love. It was those kind of times. And so, you know, I'm, I'm oh, Shia Shalomar. 
The Make Sierra Leone Famous podcast is made possible by Dots Blue. With its certified air freight service, Dot Blue is the easy and affordable way to ship to Salon from the US or from the US to Salon. No need to wait till someone is going home. Dot Blue will deliver your next package to Sierra Leone in 15 days or less. To ship with Dot Blue, contact us on WhatsApp on plus one two four zero four six zero two zero five six or plus two three two eight eight three one three 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 zero in sierra leone you can find our office at 17a wallace johnson street in freetown fly and go with dots blue we go deliver for you d-o-t-b-l-e-u dot com American pop culture basically was at an all-time high and so what was cool and what was seen as like I guess valid forms of artistic expression from a person of color black person were ones that kind of you you thought that that's what you needed to project and that's what you needed to conform to but I guess you was wrong <laughs> precisely well, I was so wrong. I mean, <laughs> Vicky, I got to America and they were looking at me like, you know, what's your problem, man? You know, and um, they wanted my runko, they wanted my drum. And that's when I started thinking, hey, you want my drum, what's up? And I was there with other students from Cameroon, um, from Ivory Coast, um, quite a few other different African countries. And then also there were some from the Caribbean. The students from the Caribbean were incredibly um, was on walk, if, if you like, and they wrote poems and stuff, which was all about anti, you know, anti-racism and all this kind of stuff. So, but we would gather after school and we'll play drums, and I will hold my drums. I'll be playing my drum and we'll be singing just after school, and all these other American kids will come to watch us and listen to us. But on top of that, in drama school, every single subject. I was tops. And I'm not saying this just because out of ego. I'm saying it as a matter of fact. I was right on top of it all. Drama and movement, um, stage combat, speech, um, delivery, everything. I was tops. And I said, what's the matter with these people? Can't they simply walk and talk and eat and dance? This is simple. What's your problem? They just can't do it. And, and <laughs> my, my drama... My drama teacher, he came to me one day. He just looked at me and says, Yusuf, you just got it, man. You, you just seem to get it. Then I started understanding the value of what Dele Charlie and Dennis Nelson Streeter and Charlie Hafner had embedded in me while I was going to school and then while I was at Tabule Theater. Then I left America, came to England. In England, I thought I left this bata bata business Right now, I, you know, live, I, I want to become a lawyer. And I wanted to become every... <laughs> Not a lawyer. Oh, Yusufu. Oh, wow. You mean, People... you mean instead, of, instead of Cal Footprints, we'll be talking about Yusufu Jala Esquire? Oh, God forbid. God forbid. Never. Oh, can you imagine talking about my love? My Why? Oh, Yusufu, please. <laughs> what would have been a what? Travis? But, but this is the thing, Vicky. 
that subliminally we have been conditioned so much to be anything else other than ourselves. So it was that kind of process I was going through where to beat butter in Sierra Leone, and within the Sierra Leone context, it means you want for Alaki. You want to do drama, you've, you've signed your, your adult check. You'll be, you'll be broke. <laughs> if you sign up as an actor or a drama, you're going to be broke for the rest of your life. And then I've been to Prince of Wales and St. Edward's for crying out loud. What are you talking about mm. dancing and drama and all that kind of stuff? Become a, a, you know, an, an architect, a, a lawyer or something. I couldn't do, become a doctor because mathematics was a big problem for me. Or shall I say, maths had a problem with me. So that was one thing. But also, <laughs> my, my dad did not want me to become a lawyer. My dad says because lawyers don't go to heaven because they lie too much. <laughs> so my dad says... <laughs> oh, my God. Not no lawyers don't go to heaven. So, wow. <laughs> well, that's what he said. So, so that knocked me off law. So now I'm left with, what do I do now? But I kept on with drama under the um, apprenticeship of a man called John Adewole. He had a theater company called Zuria Theater Company, which was operating in England. It was a theater in education company. So I started working with him when I got to England. Now, okay. and all by stroke of luck, and this is something which maybe as we carry on, it's something which, which we can um, discuss about the way I came to England and, you know, and, and, and how all of that carried on. But when I worked with John Adewole, I started learning the skills of how to use theater as a tool for education. And I apprenticed with him for about six years. And then from there, I set up my own company. Even at that, Vicky, I still wanted to be a plumber, um, do printing, everything else other than this that I am today, other than being myself. And it's all because the orientation that I had got was one that negated everything about the cultural values that I have in Sierra Leone, or that we have in Sierra Leone, that it is not something that will benefit you. After all, right. let me just look at Salia Kuruma. Where did he go? His legacy, mm -hmm. where is it? Let us look at right. um, Ami Kalon, who's still alive today. Where is she? Let us look at Ebenezer Kalenda. Let us look at um, Chris Durin. We can go on and on and on. One Man Gang, Tiade, yeah. the National Dance Troupe, John Akar, who was so yeah. pivotal in the National Dance Troupe. Where is his office today? Um, I'm so thankful I went and I took a picture of his office that he had before now it's all broken down. So um, taking a picture of John Akar's office, all this for me were amazing inspirations of what people had already put um, or sacrificed for us. But none of these things we can see um, and say this is, you know, um, investments have been put into it. None of it from time. The radio broadcast of the Make Sierra Leone Famous podcast on Radio Democracy 98.1 is made possible with a generous grant from the Asma James Foundation. 
The Asthma James Foundation empowers women and girls with mentorship, scholarship, and life skills training. To make Sierra Leone better for girls and girls in Sierra Leone better, visit the Asthma James Foundation at asthma, that's A-S-M-A-A, james.com. And now, let's go back to the show. So therefore, me taking this on and, and saying I'm going to do this is either, um, you know, I'm, I'm a sucker for, for poverty and punishment, or I decide, oh, I'm just a, you know, I'm just a fool, basically. Now, um, so I had that subliminally running through, a lot of insecurities. Now, from those insecurities, I was like, look, I'm not going to do this, continue this thing. I've got to really get another profession. I've got to do something right. that will bring in income. And that is a common challenge for many artists, of course. However, the moment somebody, you know, I've got friends who started telling me, look, Yusuf, you know, you're doing dancing, you're doing drumming, you're doing theater, all of these different things you're doing, but your calling is storytelling. Um, I had a good friend called um, Kat. She's from Jamaica. Mm-hmm. And she kept pushing me. She says, you got to do storytelling. And, um, and because, of course, she's seen me do storytelling a few times. And eventually I thought, okay, I'll give it a go. But even that, when I decided I'm going to do storytelling, I remember going to a competition um, in Bristol. It's a Grand Slam storytelling competition. Just out of the head, I'm going for this competition. I took off from London, went down to Bristol. I put my drum and I saw the storytellers that were there. And I said, please, Lord please do not get me to be the first one to perform. So they put this, you know, lucky dip, whatever you pick up and then you open your, um, if it's your name, then you're the first, second, third, whatever. There was 12 Mm -hmm. storytellers. They are competing for this Grand Slam Award. Now, the reason why I was praying, say, God, let me not be the first, was that I knew if I was the first person to go and perform, none of them will come after me. None. Literally, you know, they say you watch the place, pata, pata, finish, pata is over, pata, game done. <laughs> and we picked, we picked the lucky dip, opened it. I was the first one to perform. Game over. Right. Of course. Of course. So, um, yeah. <laughs> so, basically, um, from there, I started developing confidence. But more to that question is that even though I went through this, there was tremendous mm-hmm. insecurity in me about being an artist, being a storyteller, um, mm-hmm. uh, and a performer. Now I wanted to improve my career. I wanted to go to the next level where I am not just standing and just telling stories to children. I now want to be able to stand in front of corporate organizations and tell them a story and use my stories to build their companies, use my stories to to influence change, to get to that level, to get to that level. Life asked me a few questions. One of the prominent questions life kept asking me, Yusuf, who are you? And I had to answer that question. Who are you? It took me mm-hmm. two, three years 
of life whooping my backside, whooping me. Who are you? Now, Vicky, I remember doing <laughs> I remember doing an interview for Time um, Time magazine. No, Newsweek, not Time, Newsweek magazine. Mm -hmm. And the lady asked me, who would you say you are? And I said to her, ah, uh, well, I see myself as an architect for social change and cultural awakening. <laughs> Um, you know, just carelessly like that. Yeah, just said it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> then, then she said to me, Vicky, she said to me, um, hold on, hold on, hold on. Stay. Let me write that one down. Please say it again, please. And I said it again. And she wrote mm -hmm. it down. The magazine was published, beautiful, and so on. One morning I went out when life was whooping my butt. This is over a year to two after this publication. Mm -hmm. And then I, I was out on the morning for my usual meditation. Every morning I used, I love going out just to meditate and think and plan. And, and um, people might say prayer, but for me, I just call it meditation mm -hmm. to be with me. <clears throat> and this question came, who are you? And then I started thinking, Yusuf, a friend of mine once told me, find what you enjoy doing, then find somebody to pay you for doing it. Then I asked, well, what yeah. do I enjoy doing? Obviously, what I enjoy doing How is storytelling. We will be right back after this short break. We're gonna have a bit more rhythm than this, okay? The room is full of people of rhythm, okay? Of the melanin stuff, okay? Let's get it together. Place it by the window. 
as she placed the bread by the window, a hunchback man was passing by. And the hunchback man, he saw the bread. He took the bread. And without saying thank you, without saying oh Ali, he walked away saying, the evil that you do will come back to you. The good that you do will come back to you. That was Yusufu Jallo performing live at the Jazz Cafe in London. And now, let's head back to the Make Sterling Famous podcast. How old were you when you were um, having this? And when you had become aware that, yes, you had a gift, um, and now you were in the UK and you're like, oh, right, I'm telling stories. I'm like doing things in this field. I think I can do it. People are starting to like see me and respect me for this, but I still don't know who I am. How many years had passed when you stayed in that place of like, you know, basically like a lack of self-awareness, basically? Yes. Um, I was in that mode for about 25, 26 years, thereabout. Um, and then the, the awareness. Wait, what? You were in that for how long? About 25 to 26 years. Stop it. Not lie. Basically, Vicky, I was like a dog trying to meow like a cat. So you spent 25 years just basically trying to look at yourself in the mirror and say, um, I'm a storyteller um, and I'm the cow food prince. It took you 25 years to undo the damage of... I guess the post-colonial education project, native education project, right? Which is what happens when you go to schools like, well, I, I don't know if it's changed now, but, you know, scholarization in Sierra Leone and much of the continent where um, that haven't dealt with the neocolonial education um, agenda to civilize the native um, in the independence period if they haven't addressed that in the education, then usually what happens is they just continue, right, to make uh, white masks blackface. Um, and so, because that's what I hear when you're talking, this idea of like, because when you went to school and because when you looked around society in Sierra Leone, there were so few cultural icons. There were so few cultural entrepreneurs. There were so few... Um, people in the cultural arts that you believe that there was no respect or dignity or value in being a cultural performer. Um, and so you held a lot of shame, even though you were really talented and the world is telling you, hey, you're really talented, you're brilliant, like take it and run and you're doing well. But in your mind, you're thinking, this is not a dignified way for me to earn a living. Let me try to see if I can be a plumber also. Let me try to see if I can do everything else beyond this thing which God has blessed me with because, you know, it's not respectable, right? For And I think the respectable respectability we're looking for is more so from the Sierra Leonean side, right? So because you were in the UK, it was already recognized and the US was recognized. But from like your Sierra Leonean persuasion and orientation said to you, this is not a respectable and dignified thing for you to do with your life. It took you 25 years 
basically, of struggling to find yourself? Is that what you're telling me? That's exactly what I'm telling you. 25 years. Um, you know, so I keep talking about what's happening in this subliminal. There's so much um, damage, uh, and, and I know that's a heavy word, but there's so much damage that has been done. And, you know, Vicky, that morning when I went out for a walk to meditate and this question came up, and then I thought, oh, what is it? Then I remember the quote that I said um, for the Newsweek magazine. Mm-hmm. I am a storyteller. I'm an actor. I'm a motivator. I'm an architect for social change and cultural awakening. Boom! That's when the penny dropped. Le- Vicky, I ran home that morning. I ran home so that I don't forget it. Right? And then I went and wrote it down. Who are you, Yusuf? I'm a storyteller. I'm a motivator. I'm an actor. I'm an architect for social change and cultural awakening. Who are you, Yusuf Ujalo? I'm a storyteller. I'm an actor. I'm a motivator. I'm an architect for social change and cultural awakening. I wrote this down. And that, for me, defined me as here, as this physical person living here. From that day, I came to an awareness. But there is another level, which is even more challenging. So I got this definition done. Then it took me another two years to get to the next stage. And that next stage, Vicky, is the stage of acceptance acceptance so i agree i'm a storyteller i'm damn good at it i love it but do i accept it do i accept this is it that for me was probably the most difficult two years because now i'm saying once you accept this yusuf that you are a storyteller game set and match you're not going to be turning around to say you're going to study this, study that. Shame on you. You've accepted this. This is it. it. (laughs) We will be right back after this short message from our brand partner, The Dollhouse Boutique. The Make Serially Unfamous podcast is supported by The Dollhouse Boutique an American household brand for one-of-a-kind fashion and bespoke creations. Find your next stylish look at shopdollhouseboutique.com. We have stores in Baltimore, Maryland and Los Angeles, California, showing the best of local designers. Our first international fashion boutique opens in Sierra Leone in 2022. Until then, find us on Instagram at dollhouse M.T. Vernon. That's Dollhouse M.T. Vernon. And now, make we go back to the show. Now, among the Yoruba people in Nigeria, the Yoruba say, before a child is born, the last thing the child chooses to come to this world is its ori, its head. In other words, its talent, its gift, its tool to come and walk this earth to serve 
the earth. That's the last thing that child chooses. So every one of us, when we are born, we are born with specific tools that we call talents, that we call gifts, that we call whatever. And you're born to come and nurture that tool, to improve, work on that tool. It is your gift to serve us. So when you check what our people would do when a child is born, they call the Babalao or they call the Mary Siman or the Imam or whoever, is to discover that mm-hmm. child's name and that child's gift. It is the community's duty to now bring nurture up that child, to help that child become aware of its talent, of its gift, of its tool to work. Mm-hmm. Now, but we have an education system that generally, generally denies you that talent because the, the streams of education within Africa, within Sierra Leone, is so narrow that all the many skills that people have is nothing, it's negated. Whether you're a carpenter, whether you're a plumber, whether you're a good mechanic, uh, and so on, or it's negated. You've got to be this other, you know, whatever yeah. academic stuff that they put there. And yeah. the arts is bottom of the pile in all of this. So we're in a position where somebody like the great Bonnie Mac, my sweetie, my sugar, my baby, my lover, so Vicky, let me hold you, let me love you forever. Oh, yes. Now, somebody like that played such a music and still did not get the amount of royalties that he's supposed to get, the amount of wealth he's supposed to get for that song. Why? Because we really do not understand the value of all of these wonderful tools that these people have. Super Combo, Sabano 75, Afro National, Big Fire, all these wonderful artists have gone by and we barely have any kind of um, institution, any kind of academy that studies these people because we're not accepting this. I went through that part of acceptance, but the day when I accepted, I am a storyteller. That day, the whole world revolved around me. And what do I mean by it revolved around me, Vicky? What I mean is this. Because I know, I accept, I am a storyteller, suddenly every single use of stories appeared to me, came to me. You put me among doctors, Mm -hmm. I will tell you a story about healing. Put me among environmentalists, I will tell you stories about the environment. Put me among architects, I will tell you stories about the importance of architects and maintaining our environment, blah, 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 blah. Put me anywhere, put me among bankers, and I'll tell you stories about the importance of banking um, and so on. Because now, I now know my tool. And I now know how to use my tool in any environment. For example, Vicky, if you have a hoe right now, you're good at working with a hoe in a farm. And you see a snake along the way. Are you going to use the hoe to start digging or are you going to use the hoe to whoop that snake? If you're brave enough. (laughs) (laughs) All right. It's not (laughs) forward. I know. I know how to use my tool. Exactly. Yeah. I know how to use I my totally tool in am. every circumstance. That is where I am at. 
Okay. So you took a quarter century, basically, to become Yusuf Ujala, the storyteller, the um, performer, and the change maker to basically finally accept like, okay, this is my gift. And one, I recognize that I have this gift. Two, I accept the gift. And three, I'm now going to use this gift as my tool to um, impact the world. There are so many people in Sierra Leone across the continent who have had the same kind of educational formation that you had, where um, they did not get to see, even though they were growing up in the on the continent, they did not get to see a dignified cultural representation of themselves to allow them to be able to embrace that part of themselves to be able to imagine a life where what they're doing is in the cultural arts. I know it's not just, it's not for everybody, but generally our educational system isn't one that, that offers people that kind of mirror. Like what you hear? Don't forget to leave us a review. Your reviews make it easier for others to find this podcast. Don't forget to share it with your friends and family. What would you say to younger people in Sierra Leone who are in their teens and their 20s, especially given the fact that like employment is so low and um, so much of what people think they should be doing is to go use the education they've learned in these institutions where they've tried to make us these lawyers or try to make lawyers and engineers and architects and these professions, professions out of us. Coming out of those kinds of educational institutions, coming out of FBC, um, to live in a society that may not necessarily have the opportunities they told you you would get once you got an education, how do we get these individuals, um, young people, to be able to start thinking back on this question, reflect on this question of identity, and then make a connection between their identity, their heritage, and to be able to get to where you are, which is to then create a, a vocation, create a create a job, create an identity, create value um, using their culture. Um, so then they create opportunities for themselves, they can make an impact, and also um, they can basically continue the job of rebuilding and reconnecting um, us and our ancestors, us and our heritage. Because I think the power of the work that you do is that you are a medium 
that allows those of us who haven't made the journey that you have, anybody who watches you perform, who's an African person, you're a medium to connect them to their heritage. There is an awakening, there is a recognition, um, whether it's in your diction, your expression, it's the story it's itself, your facial expression, your delivery, the everythingness um, of your performances allows us to kind of go to your home, right? That place where you are at home with yourself, at home with your community, at home with your ancestors and your heritage, we get to access that. What can somebody who is looking to kind of increase their access in that way um, do to speed up the process? <laughs> so have to wait 25 years <laughs> to finally accept that, um, you know, there is something here, there's value here, there's beauty here, there's dignity here. I can see myself as somebody um, in the cultural arts. What can they do as an individual or what do we need to do as a, as a community or what are you doing personally um, to impact the kind of like cultural preservation and heritage landscape in Sierra Leone? I know that that was a very long question, but you know, my questions no, are long. <laughs> no, um, no it's, it's, it's a beautiful question. It's a really beautiful question. Um, and I'm glad you mentioned three things there. What could they, maybe we do collectively as a nation? What do individuals do? And of course you asked what myself personally is doing. Okay. Mm -hmm. I always say that in the context of Sierra Leone, I'm going to drop a bombshell here for you. I'm going to drop a really big bombshell. <laughs> Sierra, Leone, <laughs> Sierra Leone has or had the worst deal uh, in terms of the legacy of colonialism. Sierra Leone had the worst. And let me tell you where we pinpoint the starting of the worst. The starting of this worst legacy is in the, in the institution or the building of the Furabe College University. That's where it started. The purpose of Furabe College was not to build a nation of Sierra Leone. It was to provide servants for the colonial administration. So they had to put something in place in order to get to, to retune our mindset to serve the colonial system, whether direct or indirect. That's all for this part of my conversation with Yusuf Ujala, the Kalfut Prince. On the next show, Yusufu and I discuss how Furbay College robbed Sierra Leoneans of their cultural identity and how he's using the National Storytelling Festival to help young people find and embrace their heritage. Thank you, thank you for listening to the Make Sierra Leone Famous Podcast. Until next time, ta-ta!